You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer. This is episode 14. Welcome to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different. So I have my best friend from college, Emily Robertson, here, and she's going to interview me. So it's going to be a little different. Um, I thought it would be interesting to have you guys hear a little bit more about my story and how I got started and my struggles over the many, many, many years. So... (laughs) Welcome, Emily, my very best friend who I love so much, who's going to you know, interview me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys. I Like she said, my name is Emily Robertson. I We went to college together, and it doesn't seem like it should be, but it's been way too many years since we were in college. Has it been like, what, 16, 17 years? Since? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's really weird. I, I don't it's like you blink and all of a sudden you're not young anymore. I mean, we're young. I'm not, it's just weird because I work in a college now and it's been interesting being on this side of things and remembering back like, Oh, when I saw the person that sits in my desk, I thought, you know, not that they were old, but you know, they were older and now here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I always thought like, People in their 30s were old, and now I'm like, oh, I know. no, they're young. I'm so we really young. Are. We are, and they're, and you know, I mean, we... Even 40 doesn't sound old to me. Anymore. No, just, I no. have friends in their 40s, so I'm like, oh, okay. My, two of my close, my, probably my closest friends here, one is just turned, is about to turn 50, and then the other one is in her early 40s, um, and they're, gosh, they're doing more, they get me out more than I do, and I'm supposed to be the youngin', right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I, I kind of forget sometimes how long we've been friends, and I'm like, oh my gosh. But guys, the whole reason I wanted Emily to interview me is because second to, like, my husband and maybe, like, my parents, I think Emily probably knows me the best because she's been through, like, the shit with me. And vice <laughs> so, versa. And vice versa. So Let's put that out there. <laughs> I thought, uh, when I was deciding to do this episode, I thought, well, Emily has to interview me because Aww. she knows all the things. Well, not all the things, but you know, you know me pretty well. So well, it's an honor to do it. I'm, I was really touched when you asked me because, you know, um, Miss Melody is, is very, very uh, gifted when it comes to having uh, lots of people in her life. And to be a part of that is a pretty, pretty dang cool thing. So Aww, there you have it. I know. Oh. <laughs> Love Fest um, <laughs> 2018. <laughs> So, um, I know we said we met, I mean, should we talk about how we met? Yeah, we could do that. So, Emily and I met, um, in 2002, so in the dark ages. (laughs) Uh, I was, I was a freshman in college, and were you a junior or a sophomore? I can't remember. I was a junior, technically, yes, a junior, because I, um, had lived 
abroad with my father for, it sounded really pretentious, but anyway, I had lived in England with my dad for a little bit. So it made me behind in college some because I didn't start right on time like I should have. So, and then as we both know, there were other things that came to pass that yeah. kind of delayed things. But uh, so, yeah, we yeah. met in 2002. I, you know, let me go back. So I was uh, an overachiever, high achiever in high school. I have always been an overachiever. Same. <laughs> um, and I, all my friends were overachievers. They all got into Harvard and Vanderbilt and um, Georgetown. And I, my parents didn't have a lot of money and I really needed scholarships. So Murray State gave me a scholarship. Um, and it wasn't really my first choice. I really wanted to go to like Belmont or I don't know, like a bunch of different, like sure. really expensive schools. And, but I felt like I didn't really have a choice because yeah, I don't know. At the time it just made sense for my family financially. So we went, I went there and I thought it was going to be a good fit, but right away, like I had some issues. Um, my original roommate, left oh, after yeah. two weeks because she was so homesick um, and I ended up getting a really good roommate but I think by the end she was like this girl's crazy <laughs> um so I ended up you know it was like a normal you know freshman experience for anybody who's been to college like you know you're in your dorms and whatever and there's parties and but I was very shy in college and in high school, I was not the more extroverted person I am now. I didn't have any self-confidence at all. So it was really hard for me to make friends. Um, and I had a live journal, which is, again, like the dark ages. Of still, the they're still around, though. But, but yeah, yeah, they are. It's, yeah. It's so if any of you young millennials are listening, you probably have no idea what live journal is. But basically, it was an online diary that anybody could read, and you had, like, a friends list, kind of yeah. like MySpace or Facebook. So I think I searched for people in the town I went to college in, and Emily came up, and we started reading each other's live journals, which is, like, the nerdiest thing ever. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's interesting, too, that, like, it was kind of, you know, People, I mean, I did, I, I would write some, I think we both would write some really raw stuff and, yeah. you know, people could, anybody could read it. I mean, if you, I mean, that was before it was like, well, I don't even know if it still is protected or whatever, but well, like. Well, there was that feature, it was called like friends only, so you could. Lock, oh yeah, I forgot about that. See, you could lock it down so for long. people who were only on your friends list. So, but yeah, when I. Still. <laughs> I still have archives to it, like, that I'll go back and read when I'm just curious sometimes. Yeah. That's some rough stuff, man. Like, you could definitely tell that I was dealing with some shit because it was, it would go between, like, memes of, like, yeah, like, what fraggle are you? Or, or it would be like, I'm so depressed, I can't get out of bed. Like, there was no in-between. Yeah. The surveys and the, um... Yeah, they were pretty, yeah, Live Journal was a, and I mean, I'm very thankful to it, obviously, because, um, you know, we wouldn't have, I mean, it's funny, we were in the same town, and Murray is not big, not any big. stretch of the imagination, and I think we had several, like, we would, because you had come by 
because we were actually you your campus or your no no my campus ministry was we had some people that went to um the church that you had family members that went to and they had met you previously and i had remembered um what are now mutual friends of ours um saying oh yeah this girl she's come to visit she might come by murray she might come by mcf that's the campus ministry sorry and um I was kind of like, okay, cool, you know, and, but we never had met. We kept missing each other. And like, I think there were several times we'd gone to different things. Like we both went to a concert and that was the first entry. I remember you commenting on of mine where I had gone to see, it was John Mayer. I'd gone to see John Mayer in Nashville at the Ryman and you commented on it and we're like, I didn't like it that much. And I was like, oh yeah. And so we started talking. And so we finally connected and it was really cool because we had a lot in common and, you know, and I think we both were kind of searching for somebody to kind of gel with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, I mean, I was alluding, alluding to it a, real, a little bit, but I've definitely realized in my life that my depression and anxiety definitely flares up when, I have a big life change and moving oh, to college sure. is definitely a big life change. And so I did not have very many friends. It was in a place that I wasn't super a hundred percent comfortable with. And it just, yeah, I don't know. It just yeah. overtook me. Um, and I feel, I still feel shame about it now mm. because I, again, I was a, I am a perfectionist. I was, I am a high achiever and I was, that was my whole, whole identity in high school. Um, and I felt like I had let down my parents and I had let down myself. Right. And I wish that I could have had someone tell me like, Hey, there's a therapist on campus. Cause I'm sure there was. I mean, and I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I, there, there were, but it was not as accessible as it is now, unfortunately. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously, you know, I think you had to be pretty, and you were, and I mean, you were, and unfortunately, yeah. I was kind of in my own dark phase, part 17 billion, but, you know, I wasn't in therapy either, you know, and, and that's something that I, I do think, you know, I hate to say it, but my parents were right about, you know, they kept telling me, you know, you need to go see a counselor, you need to see a counselor, but I don't think they have this, they had the services because there's now like a whole counseling center there. I mean, mm-hmm. unless certain things haven't made it get cut, that's neither here nor there. But I mean, they have like places where it's, you know, you can go and see a counselor for free. They have all these services. I mean, it's just a different world now when it comes to that, which I think, you know, and it was, it was just not, and I think maybe, pretty it just was not a common thing back when we were yeah I even I know of I mean and that's that's I mean and my parents both worked there as in my, my father was is vice president of student affairs there they just they had like one counselor I think hmm. yeah. yeah I that's I think that's one of my biggest regrets is like oh. that like I wish that I had just gotten help or had known to ask for help Right. Um, or, it's hard or, to know. Yeah, or to get medication because I feel like that probably would have like changed the trajectory of that year instead of just being 
just like a lost year of my life, I guess. I mean, not that I regret meeting you, but I do regret the way that year was handled in my life, I guess. Um, but I'm sure everyone doesn't want to hear about this depressing oh, year of my life. No, no. But, I mean, I just, but I mean, I think it's important that, you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. So long story short, <laughs> um, I was very severely depressed, a little suicidal. I ended up failing my freshman year of college and moving back home and kind of went from there. So, Yeah. That's that's what was my whole first year of college. <laughs> but, I mean, you really, I mean, you be- took it by the horns and really went for it. I mean, afterwards, I mean, it wasn't like you just kind of let it, and that's something you need to be applauded for because, you know, that's not easy to do, especially when you do feel like you've gotten to that point of, you know, well, what the heck have I done? You know, you, you know. I think that's something that I've always admired about you is that you, even though you do, you've had some hard times and they've been rough and they've been dark, but you've also been like, okay, what am I going to do to get out of it eventually? And some that's to be commended because not everybody can do that. You know? Well, I mean, I think the way that I eventually just got out of it the first time was I literally ran away. Like I spent almost a year in a whole other state far away from my family and then in other countries just because because I was like I don't want to deal with this and that was good because it was almost like therapy sure um sometimes you need to get out of it (laughs) yeah I mean it yeah it was uh it was good so yeah for you guys who don't know I spent almost a year um doing a youth with youth what I can't say this youth with a mission YWAM um discipleship training school so this was back in the day when I was pretty churchy um (laughs) and so yeah I spent eight months um doing all kinds of training and then I went to the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico for several months and did quote-unquote mission work which was basically just like helping build houses and doing skits for people in broken Spanish. (laughs) I don't really know what that was supposed to do for people, but you know, whatever, neither here nor there. It was a great time and I enjoyed it at, you know, at the time I, like I said, everything that I've done in my life, I don't really regret it because it all led to a good thing. But now that I look back on it, I'm like, what did that accomplish really besides me just being able to travel? (laughs) oh well I mean I think it's awesome though that you you got to I mean it gave you that experience I mean and plus you got to meet some cool people and yeah you know and you had a really cute haircut um (laughs) like I remember you got your hair cut really short and I was really jealous that you could pull that off I mean I know that's a really important point to bring up but I mean that's one of the things I remember I was like man her hair is so cute and then I pierced my nose. Oh, yeah, you did. That was my big rebellion at 19 was like, I'm going to get my nose pierced. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I got a tattoo and I mean, I didn't regret it, but my, you know, my parents were not, were not thrilled to say the least, but you know, it is what it is. And um, yeah, but um, so, and I know you, when you switched to go to, because um, at first you were taking classes in Charlotte, right? Yeah, I was at the community college. So I 
pretty much like made up for the year I lost at Murray State and some. Like basically I got my freshman and sophomore years. Like an associate's kind of? Yeah, all done at community college because it's like way cheaper. Oh, uh, um, smart. So smart. <laughs> and then I transferred to UNCG. But here's right. the funny story is that I, well, two funny stories. First of all, when I was going to transfer, I was dating a guy. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty seriously. Who I shall not name him. Not that I think he'll listen to this, but, you know. Forgot about him. I was dating a guy. We'll call him, I don't know. I, Ernesto. <laughs> yes, we'll call him Ernesto. So I was dating him for about a year. I was pretty serious. He was my first, like, really serious boyfriend. I was 19 or 20 at the time, so um, I was really into him because I really was excited to have a guy into me. That sounds bad, but... No, I think we've all been there. Yeah, but you guys were, like, you don't understand. I was awkward AF (laughs) in high school and college, so to have a dude into me, I was just so excited, and... Even though I think I knew in my heart he wasn't, like, the one for me, I just kind of went along with it because I was just super excited to have a dude into me. Um, so I originally was going to um, transfer to a college near him in Raleigh. I had gotten into this school. I had gotten a scholarship. I was going to go. And then – so I was going to start in August of that next year. And then, like, the day before Christmas, I was supposed to go see this boyfriend in Raleigh, um, and I was going to spend part of Christmas with his family. And I just, again, I think this is the beginning of me, like, listening to my intuition and kind Mm -hmm. of following that. All of a sudden, I just knew I was supposed to break up with him. I don't know what, if it was Jesus or the universe or whatever, or maybe I was just scared. I don't know. Cause again, I was like 19 or 20, like I was young. Um, but I just decided that I needed to break up with him. So I broke up with him the day before Christmas. <laughs> and anyway, she didn't know up until that point, I was like, this guy is the worst. Like, why is she with him? He is ridiculous. Like, I'm glad that she is happy, but oh my gosh, he is the worst. And so I just, yeah. And so when you told me, I remember you texted me because I had just broken up with the guy that I was with and I was just like, oh, I don't know how to tell her this, but I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody's had that before. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to tell you this, but I hated him. So, yeah, I don't know. I think when you said that, it was kind of a relief that I had, like, made the right decision. Because he did not take it well. Like, he was pissed. But later on, we kind of reached a good place. But, yeah, so I was supposed to go to that school. And then after that happened, I was like, oh, well, I want to go to another school. So there was a school in... Michigan that I had looked at. Oh, yeah. And I had um, sent in my application. I had been accepted. I was looking at scholarships. And I was going to go for, like, a visit and to, um, like, to a festival they were having there. And 
literally the night before, again, I don't know if it was Jesus or the universe or my intuition or just my fear. It could have been all of the above. I don't know. Um, I canceled the plane ticket and said, I'm not going. I don't feel like I'm supposed to go. Wow. That's amazing. So long story short, I transferred to UNCG, um, which is weird because when I was in high school, I had looked at UNCG when I was still doing theater and I had wanted to go there for their theater department. Um, But then, of course, I didn't end up doing theater anymore because I was, that's another regret, neither here nor there, but I decided not to do that anymore. Um, So I transferred to UNCG. And what's interesting is that um, my family, that's actually like where most of them are from. Uh, My dad was actually born and raised in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. So it was kind of a funny coincidence that like her family had moved to Charlotte and where all my family, like basically I joke around, but it's really true. Like how people kind of think about the state I'm in now, which is Kentucky, you know, everybody's related. Like that's literally how my life is when I go to North Carolina. Like I run into like cousins everywhere. It's just kind of crazy, but that, that's another heard that it's just kind of funny because it, but it was awesome because it meant that, you know, it was a really great way for us to stay in touch, even though most of our friendship has been not in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that's how I ended up finishing college in, at UNCG. It was like a roundabout way. And you graduated but, with communications, is that right? Yeah, communications and marketing. So Right. And then um, in the midst of that, I met my now husband, um, which again, I, <laughs> he and I love each other very much, but we have said that probably we would, would have not gotten married as quickly as we did if we had not been like churchy back then. Right. My bestie-in-law, as I call him. I don't, I don't think he calls me that, but I call him that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I got married to my husband, um, obviously, uh, <laughs> um, the month after I graduated from college, which is crazy. Gosh, like, you are, I, I remember thinking you were such a trooper for, because that's a lot. Like, you say you don't deal well with change, and I'm sure, you know, there were a lot of things going on, obviously, but you do, I mean... But you're able to, I mean, that's incredible to me because, you know, I sometimes have a breakdown just because of, you know, my car not wanting to start. You're getting married at the same time you're graduating from college. <laughs> so, you know, that's well, pretty big. let me just say, when I think about it now, I'm like, that was pretty stupid. And also, <laughs> when I meet like 22 and 23 year olds now, I'm like, you're a baby person. Like, how, how did anybody say like, it's cool. You should get married at like 22. No. It's the norm here though, man. Like it's still like that, which is so mind boggling to me because, you know, we've been doing all these studies right now at my job about, you know, this generation and how, you know, as the years are going on, you know, people, and I'm not saying lovely listeners that we're children, but we are becoming more and more, you know, we're not emotionally and socially and, in other ways, um, as mature as previous generations, just because we're not forced to be put into the situations that mm-hmm. a lot of those have been. Like, we're not going off, you know, in World War II times, people at 18 were going and fighting across the, you know, and I'm not saying there aren't people that do that now, you know, but I'm just saying it's just a different kind of thing. And so we aren't forced to grow up as quickly as per se our the previous generations have been. And I mean, I just, and I think that does kind of lend to now, you know, where, 
you know, if I'm a 22 or 23 year old and they were saying all that, I'd be like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you don't have the maturity to get married. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder than you think. Um, and that was, you know, you say like, I handle change. Well, that's, that was another factor for a big anxiety and depression spiral. I, and I hit it really well. It you was, are very good at hiding it. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much from like right after we go back to our honey, from our honeymoon for like four and a half years, oh. I was pretty severely depressed. Mm. Um, I look back at pictures of myself from that time and I just look miserable. Part of that spiral came about because one, I just graduated from college, got married, and two, it was the recession. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there were no jobs. So I yeah. literally probably sent in thousands of applications. And that's crushing. I mean, I joke around about it, but it's true. It's like, I feel like cover letters and resumes and sending in those job apps and not either hearing anything or, and here you are like pouring out your soul on these things. And it's like your horcrux or something like, I yeah. mean, I, I feel like every time I fill one out, like a part of, and then you don't hear anything back. And I get that from their perspective, they're getting all these things, but I mean, it was, it's just, it's really hard. It's, hor it's horrible. It's hor horrifying. And then I finally did get a job and it was in retail. Yeah. That was my first <laughs> and, job too. Yeah. Um, and I had worked retail before, but I helped open up a store, which was really fun. And then I ended up being like under the managers, like an assistant, which was actually pretty fun. Um, but I hated the retail hours, so I did that for, right. um, I think two years, and then I got another job that ended up being really shitty. <laughs> I was the, uh, like, receptionist and assistant to a beauty school. It was, like, a, yeah, like, um, a salon. I've done that, too. I've done that, too. Yeah, I understand. Um, which I liked the free haircuts. That was nice. I know, I know. My hair looked great. My, My eyebrows hair were looked flawless, great, but, <laughs> but um, I got paid like $8 an hour for right. some bullshit. Um, and then I quit that job um, after a year because it was making me miserable. And then I went and worked for a temp agency um, and I ended up getting, um, I worked at the temp job for eight months mm. And then I got a full-time job from another temp job and was there for two years, I think. Yeah, two years. And then we moved here. Right. And, the, and now, I'm, now correct me because I, sometimes I get muddled, but um, did you work at a full-time job in Wilmington at all, like outside of what you're doing yes. now? Okay. Yes, I did. Um, I had, so I actually had an interview like the day we moved here. Oh, wow. Really? Ooh. I don't even know how that happened. But so yeah, I interviewed for this job. It paid okay compared to what I had made before. Sure. They seemed a little desperate, which is probably should have been a red flag. Uh -huh. But you know, I needed a job. So right. I ended up working for an insurance company as their executive assistant. Um, Again, there were a lot of red flags I probably should have noticed. Like, nobody was happy. There was a big turnover. Sure. My boss Insurance was is rough. really or disorganized. Ugh, um, and it was not a great... And so the agents would be in the building for half the day, and then they'd be out doing, call, like, doing house calls the rest of the day. So I was alone in this building 
by myself all day, which was not great either. Like it was really boring. Um, and just really lonely. Sure. So everybody that I had made friends with in Wilmington at this point, like knew that I didn't like my job and I was sending out applications again. Sure. Didn't hear anything. Um, and at the time I had a couple of friends who were freelancing and doing their own businesses and they were like, Hey, you should just start your own business. You should freelance. And I was like, no, 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 no. Um, and at the same time I was helping on the side, my friend joy, right. Um, do marketing for her. So I knew I was good at marketing, but I didn't really have the confidence level to think like I could actually make money doing this as a freelancer until it was, um, February of 2013. Yeah. 2013. Um, my grandmother passed away. Right. And I, that. I had to leave like r- literally like the next day. And my boss was fine with that. It, but she was like, oh, you've got to be home by Monday. And I was like, okay, because they could only find somebody to cover for me for like, so she died on like a Thursday and I left on a Friday, I think. And it was just like a weekend. Yeah, because uh, I remember because I had, because I came up because I wanted to come to the funeral, but I wasn't allowed to because my boss wouldn't let me off. Um, so there was that. And because um, I, you know, I, I had been, I, I knew your family, I knew your grandmother, I mean, not as well as, you know, I wish I could have known her, but um, I remember us talking, because we had gone, we met up at the, and we met up, and we went to Olive Garden, and we talked about, <laughs> the Olive and we, and we, yes, and we, and we shared our tales of woe about our mutual, you know, job situations. <laughs> so yeah, I think at that time, I never really thought I was going to be an entrepreneur at all. I, it was more like, I, so long story short, getting back from the um, from the funeral. So I was stuck in airports for a long time oh, because yeah, right. there was a terrible ice storm. storm and snowstorm that was happening in the Southeast of the country here in the States. And so basically I didn't get home from that trip until like almost Friday <laughs> of that week because of travel sure. and being stuck. And so my boss was like livid. She was like, I can't believe you had missed so much work. And I was like, it's my grandmother's fucking funeral. Like, chill. Plus, I mean, you can't fly yourself. You don't have wings. You can't help what the weather and is doing. All the airports were closed. Yeah, you can't. How are you going to get there? <laughs> yeah. You so, don't have teleportation, so. That was kind of the breaking point for me is when I got sure. back and they were so pissed about that. And I realized that, like, I'm never going to be respected here. Yeah. Like, my boss, um, her her boss over her came and, like, did, like, an audit of the office or whatever. And he didn't like me for whatever reason. And so she badmouthed me in front of him. Oh, my gosh. And then after he left, she was like, I didn't mean any of it. You know that I just love you and you're the best. And that... Between those two things, I was like, I'm done. I'm over it. Good for you. So I basically, I talked to my husband and I said, hey, I have a lot of friends who've been saying I could make good money as a freelancer. Um, I think I want to try this and see what happens. And I thought, okay, worst comes to worst. I'll just go back to a regular shitty job. (laughs) Which is terrible, but it's true. Oh, no, I understand. No, I mean, it's not something, I mean... I think, how do I put this? I, it, 
it's really hard because, you know, we're not told, at least our generation wasn't, I keep saying generations, like we're whatever. We're but, so um, old. We're so old. Let me put on my spectacles. But, um, you know, I think at least I did. And, and, you know, maybe it's that perfectionist or the high achiever in me as well, where, you know, you have this idea in your head of what things are going to happen, you know, and especially oh, yeah. back when we were in school and stuff, you went to college. And then when you went to college, you got married. And when you got married, you had a job and you became a mother and you did mm -hmm. this. Nobody ever tells you how hard it is to find a job, especially, you know, in a recession, especially mm -hmm. when everybody is now going to college for the most part. And so many jobs these days now do require a master's, which puts you in even more debt if you, you know, because you don't qualify for grants anymore. Nobody talks about that. I mean, it's, there's so many factors that don't get talked about and it's very frustrating. And then now as I'm working in the school that I'm at now, you know, they're actually teaching kids, you know, finance stuff about financial aid, that kind of thing. That's they good. Did that for us. At, yeah. They did it for me. Now maybe they did for other majors at my college and at other schools, but for me, like I had no concept of what everything was. And I mean, that's one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't listen to my gut and say, cause I knew when I was getting ready to graduate, this isn't right. Something this, I don't, I, cause I had no clue of what to do. I wasn't getting married. I wasn't, you know, doing, I mean, and everybody else had the plan or something and everybody just said, Oh, you'll get a job. You have a degree. You'll get a job. And yeah. That's what people told me too. They were like, Oh, you have a degree. That's such a lie. Degrees don't automatically mean jobs. Especially, I mean, I ran into the, especially the jobs that I think you and I are wanting, you know, or the kind of jobs that we wanted getting out of school. I mean, I was realistic of course, but I mean, Unfortunately, sales is not my forte, and that was most of the jobs that were yep. open in my field. And, you know, I wanted to do all these things, but, you know, it's just, and I'm not saying there weren't things that I should have done and should have been more um, proactive about. That's, and that's not, that's my story, not yours. But I mean, I'm just saying, you know, that's something I think that is really frustrating. And like you talked about respect. And I mean, that's another thing too, to find a place where you are value not just because of a you know being respected it's really important to be in an environment where you feel that respect and that you feel like you're being encouraged to grow and even if they do give you constructive criticism it's not like for a job for a boss to like to badmouth you and from another boss that's just ridiculous but the thing is is that it, it's so common and oh yeah yeah i you know with the whole me too movement now like i've realized the many times that men sure. have talked down to me, said creepy things to me, whatever. And I just let it roll off my back because I was like, they're my boss or they're a coworker or whatever. Sure. Like you can't say that creeps me out or that's offensive. Like now I think you can, but before yeah. there was no standard for that. You couldn't, you couldn't speak up as a woman. It was just useless to take it. And it's hard as a woman, too, because I think women who do get to any kind of level of power, they're so desperate to keep it that they tend to also um, contribute to that toxic environment, at least in my experience. Well, and when a woman is powerful and speaks up, yes. then she's called a bitch. Right. All right. And I mean, it's just, it's hard because, you know, you want to, you can't, you're so afraid either, A, you're going to lose that position, so you don't let yourself be vulnerable 
to other people and that's can be hard or you go too far the other way. It's just, a, it's a delicate balance. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, that's something, I mean, how has that, well, I mean, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I guess I'm interested to hear, like, I know you primarily work with women, but I mean, have you, how does that work with your job now? Yeah, I was working. So I guess backtrack. Um, yeah. When I first started my freelancing business, I was doing literally all the things. Okay. So I was doing social media management, blog writing, um, email sequences, like really like I was, I thought it was better to have it be a jack of all trades. Sure. And work with anybody who would literally pay me. Like I had no, I was just like, you want to pay me? Cool. Awesome. Let's do it. Um, and that's, I think that's okay to do when you first start out. Sure. But once I got some credibility, it kind of felt like I wasn't respecting myself and I wasn't um, giving, showing people my worth because, because it comes back to me not believing in myself. And I didn't there, I've always had imposter syndrome. It's even worse now because, because, um, as your own boss, it's really, you don't get people who give you that applause and that, um, those words of affirmation basically that much because you don't have coworkers and a boss over you. So I, yeah, I really struggled with that. And so I literally worked with anybody for so, so long. And I have encountered really creepy, weird clients. Uh, I've been on calls with companies where I realize everyone is a man on this call except me. And they're Mm -hmm. talking over me and they aren't respecting my ideas at all. Even though I'm technically the quote-unquote expert in the room, they, they think like, oh, that's, that's just her little idea. I've had people call me sweetheart, honey, no. darling, yeah. people who don't know me, that's not okay. We're, you're my client, or I'm working on a contract basis for your company. That's not okay. That's creepy. Sure. No, I hear you. No, I'm... I'm- you know, it's, it's funny that you said that because my mom, she came to visit this weekend and we were talking and she had to go meet with the superintendent of the school. And my mom has been in her position for like almost 30 years and she has her master's and all this stuff. And the superintendent, a very nice man, apparently, but he kept calling her hun and sweetie. And my mom said to me, you know, that's just not, it was, it wasn't cool, but she was like, I didn't know how to say to him, there was no, and I just said, but mom, you know, he probably, sadly, in some ways, thinks that that's just how you talk to a woman. Uh And especially, I mean, my mom is a professional. She's, you know, this is, and then he did it to her boss. And I mean, her boss is a doc, has a doctorate, I think has more, is more educated than he is, has more experience than he is. And he's calling her hun and sweet pea and stuff like that. And that's, that's just not, I just, I, I was at that even, I mean, I was just, I was totally blown away by that. Like, it's amazing to me that it, you know, and I guess like you said, the Me Too movement is really shining a light on that, but it's just amazing to me how ingrained that is in, into the world where that is acceptable. That is the norm. That is, oh, they don't know any better. Well, let's make it so they know any better, you know? 
Well, and I thought I wouldn't have to deal with that anymore. How, like, really? Being a freelancer and being uh, owning my own business, I thought, no, that's that's a thing of the past. And I realized that, no, those people are still out there. They're still weirdos and creepy dudes. And sure, people sure. are going to talk down to me. So long story short, basically <laughs> last year I decided right. to um, totally revamp my brand, revamp my services. I only do Facebook ads and digital uh, marketing strategy now and I only work with women um but I will okay I say primarily because I do have some male clients but I'm very picky about who I work with in in terms of everyone I I need to feel like I'm energetically matched with the client that sounds really wooey and weird but it's true like I want to be on the same wavelength I want to know that they fully respect me and trust me and that because they're paying a lot of money to work with me but I want them to feel comfortable and I want to feel like I'm comfortable with them and they're not going to be a pain in the ass or like a bad client because I've definitely had those people (laughs) sure well and I'm sure too like in order to do I mean I I mean maybe I'm I'm off here but I mean I do you feel like that's how you're able to do the best job possible is that if you guys connect because if you didn't really connect with them or drive with them it would be difficult I would think to market them is that yeah no yeah because part of what makes me different is that I feel like a lot of marketing now is very male driven and it's yes. very much about like sales and like do the like hustle you know making the hustle and the grind and like it's very like pushy mm. and since I primarily work with female like yoga teachers and meditation teachers and coaches and therapists and stuff I say your brand is you your story is you and you need to show that in your marketing so it's very heart-centered it's very like story-centered and not very many people are doing that and there's hardly any women in the Facebook ads world. Wow. That's see. And I didn't know that. That's really interesting. So yeah, when you look up Facebook ads or people who do Facebook ads, it's almost all what I call the marketing bros. They're all like <laughs> kind of douchey. And I they're know, like, yeah. they're like, Hey, what's up guys? Look at my new funnel. And like, I don't know. It's I'm just, over here drinking the cold brew, you know, yeah, no, I don't know. I, mean, I like a cold, cold brew. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I respect those dudes like sure. I some of them but that's just not me I'm not that person I want to connect with people on a deeper more like heart-centered level so how do you I mean um I guess something that I I'm curious about is how do you talked a little bit about imposter syndrome and you know with that comes a degree of self-sabotage how do you how do you over because you've you know in the past you've had your struggles with, with that. So how do you, how have you been able to kind of overcome that or make that work within Um, this environment? It's a daily process. It doesn't just go away magically. Sorry world. Yeah. Um, honestly the best thing I've ever done for myself, well, two of the best things therapy. Yes. Um, everybody should go to a therapist. Even if you don't think you need it, you do. Yeah. Um, and then hiring a mindset coach. I worked with my mindset coach, Susie Koifer, last year um, for, I think it was eight weeks. Yeah, six or eight weeks. 
And she taught me how to uh, mindset journal, do affirmations. Um, learned, I learned that I don't really do self-care for myself. I don't allow myself to care for myself because as women, we um, tend to care for others. We care for our spouses or boyfriends. We care for our friends. We care for our family but we never put ourselves first and that's exhausting. Um, and I needed to learn how to do that for myself. It's again, still a work in progress. So every day I kind of work on those things and I just tell myself, I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy. You know, I am abundant. I am, um, you know, I am successful. It sounds so stupid. No, no, but no, it really does. Like (laughs) it's basically like rewiring your brain so that you don't have what I call those thought gremlins. Oh yeah. Well, it's so hard to get in that. So they don't whisper because they whisper in your ear, like you suck. You can't do this. No one's ever going to work with you. You're awful. And so I have to be like, no, fuck you. Like (laughs) I am awesome. I am a badass. I am successful. And it's just, kind of telling those those gremlins to just beat it right um, every single day every single hour just at all the time I mean do you have is it something I know you said it's a discipline so do you have to like set reminders for yourself how do you how are you able to find that anchor to pull you you know because I think that's something that I struggle with and so many women and, and men too, but I think women especially, we tend to be more prone to this. Like I call it the spiral. You just get caught on this thought spiral where you just can't get out. And, and it's so hard to find like an anchor or something that kind of helps you go, wait, no, no. And then you stop it and get out. And that's something I've been working on a lot myself with my own life. And I guess I'm just curious to hear what experiences have helped you. Well, I started um, setting like a morning and night routine for myself. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask about that. When I get up in the morning, I get my coffee and then I journal. Um, I have like what it's called the five minute journal. So it it asks like, uh, what three things are you excited about? What three things are you grateful for? And then three affirmations. Oh, wow. So I do those and then I journal. in my other journal, I do like okay. prompts. So nice. there's a bunch of different coaches that I follow that do journal prompts. So it might be like, you know, what's your big vision or what do you desire? And, you know, break that down into smaller goals and like, or sometimes I just, it sounds weird, but I will feel like I'm supposed to write about something and I'll just let it, let it happen. Like it's just something in me needs to write about something specific and I'll just write that out. Um, amazing. And then I also will do more affirmations. So I'll do maybe like 10 or so. And I have those affirmations. I have an app on my phone um, that you can plug in your affirmations and it'll show up at random times as a notification. Cool. And you can, and you can either say it to yourself or it can repeat it to you. There's other ones where you can actually speak them into your phone. Oh, and it'll wow. speak your voice back to you when you listen to them. Huh. That's really Which, cool. That's very yeah. powerful because, you know, we hear so many other people's voices. In our, I mean, I do like, yeah. not, but, you know, I mean, in my life, I've had several, especially men um, in my life 
who have, and I don't want to make this into a, we hate men podcast because that's not what it is, you know, but I mean, I have definitely, I'm a fan of, but it's just that those are the voices that have tended to be in my head the most. And it's really hard when they're, you know, being so overpowering to not let that, you know, like you said, so, I mean, that would be amazing to hear your own. I mean, and I think hearing your own voice is really hard. Yeah. So I do that. Um, and then I have like a meditation Dang. skill on my Alexa. So it's called okay. like the one minute meditation. I, I think there's also an app for it, but it's on my Alexa. And um, so I want to eventually work up to like, you know, five to 15 minutes, but I'm still getting used to meditation. So I just do a couple minutes really right. like deep breathing because I've realized, especially with my anxiety, I breathe a lot from my chest. It's very oh, yeah. shallow. I don't deep uh, breathe deeply. Why was that so hard to say? Deep breathely, breathe deeply. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been trying to make myself just be blank in my mind because so I'm not like anxiety looping and sure. I breathe for a few minutes. And then sometimes depending on the time I have, um, I love doing EFT tapping. Oh, okay. Have you ever tried that before? I don't think I have. Yeah. So, um, there's a really good YouTube channel that my coach turned me on to. His name is Brad Yates and he has literally a YouTube tapping video for like everything for success, for stress, for anxiety, for Hmm. depression, like whatever. Um, and he'll show you how to do it. So tapping um, is like a way to, um, it releases like, I want to say cortisol or some kind of something in your brain to mm. help alleviate and get rid of those stressors. I, I know I'm not explaining it correctly. I No, but it sounds like so fascinating because I mean, and I, I don't so I you basically like... tap on like pressure points. So like, oh, wow. Um, like over your eyes, beside like your ears, under your nose, um, like under your collarbone, under your armpits, on top of your head. I don't know. It's the first time I heard of it. I thought it was crazy town. <laughs> like, I was like, what? This is so stupid. But it, li- it literally helps rewire your brain and um, release those feelings. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm not, I, as, as someone who has, you know, gone from one end to the other when it comes to these kind of things, you know, I, I think we can all, if it works, then hey. And sometimes, you know, people underest- underestimate the power of, you know, touch and how those simple things really do work. I mean, and, and I, I'm just glad that you got turned on to it and I'm excited to, to try it myself. I'm going to have yeah. to Google that stuff. Yeah. I'll send you a link to his YouTube channel. Yeah. But so yeah, I do that. Um, and then I start my day usually. Um, and sometimes I do more of, more of that stuff, less of that stuff. It kind of depends on the day, but that's how I really kind of, help deal with like imposter syndrome and comparisonitis and all that um it's still a daily struggle there's still days where I'm like where oh another thing I don't do is I try not to look at my phone until after I'm done with all that gosh hallelujah to that that's so hard (laughs) because when I don't when I look at my phone during this when I get like 
distracted. Sure. I will scroll through all these groups and all these people and I'll be like, oh, she's doing better than me. Oh, she's charging more than me. She's charging less than me. Or like, I'll just get stressed and I'll get caught up in my head. And then it's like, oh shit. Like, and then it's just a bad way to start your day. No, you're right. I mean, and I am so guilty because I know that's what, you know, you know, I used to get up and do yoga in the mornings and other things like that, but it's like all now I find myself getting on my phone just so much. And it's, it's, it really is. It's so hard to not let those, the the phone and apps and all that stuff, even though it's great to be in terms of connected with others, but like I, I let it completely sometimes sabotage my own thinking because I'll just start thinking oh well their lives are so together you know they have this I'm such a screw up I mean it's kept you know and it's it's really is damaging so I think that's really true especially if you have business a business that you're trying to market and then it's you know and you've said that there's other groups and stuff and it's hard when you go on there and see them and they're doing these things and you're just like ah so well yeah smart I'm in so many like Facebook groups for Me too. <laughs> entrepreneurs and so many pages and it gets really overwhelming and it also feels really insular. Like I feel like most people would not understand or care or um, like be stressed out by this world, but it feels like literally everybody is a coach or a consultant oh, or whatever. Sure. And that part of my brain, the thought gremlin is like, girl, you're never going to be as good as this girl or you're never going to make good money or whatever. Even though I've seen success, it's hard to sometimes like not compare yourself to those people because in that world, there's all these women who are saying, I just quit my job and I've already made $10,000. And I have found that, um, most of those people are lying. <laughs> um, I literally had a girl in one of the groups. Um, she was complaining about Facebook ads. And so I was like, oh, I'll message you and I can see if I can help you. And I answered a couple of her questions. And then I told her my pricing and she said, well, you're too expensive. And I said, okay, that's fine. Not everybody can afford me. I, I, I know. Right. Good to you. Have a great day. Literally the next day, she posted in that same group that she was amazing at Facebook ads and that people should hire her. Oh, wow. So that's the kind of world that we're dealing with. A lot of people are um, inflating their um, experience and Mm. their profiles to make themselves look successful, but they literally have never had a client or it's, it's kind of, it's just the world of social media. you've got to take it with a grain of salt and it's really hard to do that when you're trying to make money and trying to get clients and it's just like this barrage of craziness I mean I think that's something um just you know self I mean you know this but I mean I've been kind of stepping my toes into kind of doing the and doing a, a small I'm going through a different company but I mean I've always been, you know, you and I have talked in the past about working and and doing freelance and, you know, that has been one of the biggest issues for me is that, you know, I see all these other women and I see all these other groups doing all these things and, you know, it's just, it's very hard at times to think, well, 
I can't do. I mean, I, it's, I mean, I, I find myself many times being like, well, I wish I could do that. And the thing is, the only thing that's keep me from doing that is the fact that I see all these other women doing something that I think I can't do. And the thing is, is they're probably, they're not, you're not doing it either. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, so so don't let that be the defining factor for you sure. in not trying something. Right. Because most, and I'm not saying most people are lying, right. saying that a lot of people inflate um, their self or their results in order to look successful and get clients. And have people, I mean, you've been, I mean, obviously you said you talked to, to your husband and stuff, but are they pretty supportive? Like when you go and you tell people like what you do, do you feel like that's like, has that been? Yeah, I've, I've definitely struggled in this past year with um, dealing with people seeing the worth of hiring me okay. because um, there's always somebody who can do it cheaper, but right. in my mind, cheaper isn't always better. Sure. Um, and also people don't always, they think, oh, I could get my teenager or an intern to do these. Yes, but I have all this experience right. to and back up and results to back up my claims. If you really want success for your business and you really want to go, you know, up level that business, you need to invest in experts. That's what I've been preaching to people is that um, you we've been told as women, we can do it all. And we, we, we can do it all by ourselves. And that's bullshit. Mm. Mm. Like in whatever, if you're a mom, if you're in a regular job, whatever, like you need people to come alongside you to help you. And if you own your business, that means delegating. That means, um, you know, hiring experts to help you in certain facets, hiring an assistant to help you do the things you don't want to do because everybody has their zone of genius. Their niche, yeah. And that you need to focus on that. And if accounting and Facebook ads and, you know, whatever is not your zone of genius, you do not need to be wasting your precious energy doing that. I mean, I think that's something that a lot of people miss, they don't realize with, with this kind of thing is how multifaceted it is and how, you know, you had said, you know, at first you start out doing kind of a jack of all trades type thing. But like, you know, there's just, I mean, there are different things within it. And, you know, I think too, they, they seem to think, oh, you're just posting stuff on Facebook, yes. posting stuff on Twitter. It's not that hard, but it really, it's a lot more than that. And I'm finding that out just with the small things that I'm doing. And even though it takes up a lot of time, it's not just this little, and you know, cause people are, when I tell them, they're like, oh, that's gotta be super, super easy. And I'm just like, ah, you know, like, and I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like if I was doing something like what you're doing, especially when I was, if you, when you were starting out and you were doing a little bit of everything, I mean, I mean, I imagine that leads to, that can lead to burnout pretty quickly. So yeah, I was literally, cause I was taking anything and everything Yeah, to make good money. I was working like 80 hours a week. Oh, wow. So how um, do you, how do you, what kind of advice do you have for people when they're first starting out? Then should they get with a mindset coach immediately? Should they, what, what do you think is, I, I wish that I had had a business and mindset coach right away. I wish that I had, um, I know most people can't afford that, but like I said, with hiring experts, it's the same kind of thing. Sometimes you just need to find a way to pay for it because it is a hundred percent worth it. Every time I've hired a coach or an expert, it has come, come back to me tenfold. 
Sure. I mean, you get what you pay for. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, there, and there's so many like newbie coaches out there that if you can't afford somebody who's like $10,000 or whatever, you can find somebody that will probably work with your budget. Right. Uh, But yeah, hire somebody who knows more than you because that's going to really help you see your worth, see what you're good at, clarify your messaging, get you off on the right foot. Otherwise, you're going to make all these mistakes like I did. Like I was working 80 hours a week. I was making like peanuts working 80 hours a week, you know? I was, uh, I had no boundaries with work and life. I had no um, self-worth about how much I charged. And Mm. I worked really, really hard. And at at one point I was like, should I just go back to a regular job? Because at least I would make consistent money. Sure. And I, it wasn't until last year when I worked with that mindset coach that I realized no, I, these are the things I really love doing. I just need to refocus that energy mm-hmm. and refocus like the way I do business and life. It's really, I mean, I know myself just watching, I mean, I've seen over this past year, especially just a huge change. Just, I mean, I can feel it kind of radiating off the computer screen in a way, which I don't <laughs> know if that's just completely weird, but I mean, there's just, and like you said about pictures and stuff, I can just tell, you know, like when you smile, I see it in your eyes now and not just, you know, I mean, and that's something lately that I've been really, maybe it's cause I'm finally getting open to that, but I mean, to really realize that, you know, that those kind of moments and that self-care that you were talking about, cause self-care, you know, can get, kind of, you know, misconstrued. I mean, a lot of times people will be like, oh, you're just being selfish. And it's not selfish to take care of yourself. It's, and it's, it's not selfish to figure out, okay, what is it that I need? And, and then go for it. I mean, and then to also admit that, okay, I don't know everything there is to know about this. I don't know about you, but as a perfectionist, that is kind of hard sometimes for me to ask for help to say, yeah, hey, is. I don't know even coming to you sometimes, like, you know, with stuff like I'll be, I mean, I was embarrassed earlier because I wasn't for sure about how to make Zoom work. And I mean, that's dumb. <laughs> You're like my best friend, but I don't want you to think I'm this dumbo and you don't care. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've never used it before. Why would I know everything immediately? You know, but I, but because I'm a perfectionist, I'm supposed to just magically know everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the most freeing thing for me was um, one of the coaches I worked with, uh, last, the last couple months, I worked with a money mindset coach and oh, wow. she, um, helped me realize that like, I was putting certain people on pedestals and I was oh, like, Oh, I'm going to so be easy. like that. I'm going to be that person. Or like, when I get to the certain amount of money, I'll be happy. Or when I work yeah. with a certain person, I'll be happy. And she was like, you're never going to be happy until you're happy with yourself. And yeah. I was like, damn, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I Ouch. it's because I I just yeah, I for so long it's been like, okay, when I get to ten thousand dollars a month, I'll be happy. And I think I won't be because I don't know how to say like, okay, I love myself or whatever. Even though I'm getting there, like the other day I had a very profound weekend, I would say. Like I I went to a concert that just like made my soul sing and I just felt so happy and then I had lunch with my mom and we had like a really healing conversation that's wonderful and I just I don't know I just felt like I'm 
fucking love myself. Like I just, I said that in the mirror. Like I was like, I love my life. I love myself. And I don't think I had ever said that to myself before. That's a Um, really beautiful thing right there. And I told my coach that and she was like, do you realize that people take like their whole life to get to that point sometimes? Yeah. I don't even know what that would be like. (laughs) I don't even like, again, that as soon as that came, I, it went like it was, I still have to work at that every single day. It's like I said, it's never going away. Like that self doubt. Sure. It's my hope that I can say that to myself every day and I, I will eventually fully feel it and believe it. Right. Oh no. I mean, it sounds, I mean, and it's making a difference. I mean, like I said, I can tell, I'm sure others can tell, like, it sounds like, you know, your, your parents and I'm sure your husband and, and then plus your clients. I mean, I think that makes a difference too with your clients. If you're happy with yourself and believing in yourself, you're going to be able to do the kind of work that they need because if you're constantly, you know, doubting yourself during it, I mean, that's going to be really hard to do the kind of work that you're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, again, it's still a work in progress. Like, I had lunch with a friend on Friday, and I was talking about my biggest struggle right now, which is uh, people get really excited to work with me. Mm -hmm. I have a call with them, and then they ghost me. (laughs) Oh. They will be like, yeah, and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to send you the invoice and the contract, and then I never hear from them. That would be, I mean, and I, I, I'm probably guilty of doing that with people myself because it's more of the, you know, you, when it becomes about money, especially again, I know, again, you, it's what you pay for, but I know like you tend to get really scared when it's like the real deal, even though, you know, it's what's, it's a good thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, and then there's just people that are, that are not great, but there's, yeah. I do think there are people out there that sincerely are excited and then they just kind of, they talk, they talk themselves out of it. Probably. Yeah. I mean, and it's so easy to do. And I mean, and I guess, so how do you deal so with So my friend, she felt she's pretty intuitive and she felt that I was energetically blocking them somehow because I didn't fully believe in myself. And I oh, think wow. I, I would agree with that. Um, I've had people oh. tell, tell me that many, many times. And I also have trouble receiving, like I have trouble receiving compliments, receiving money. Oh, so hard. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, so I need to spend some time journaling on that and trying to like figure that out. And actually, um, one of the groups I'm in, this is going to sound a little macabre, but they said that I should write down all my old stories. So stories meaning like the lies that people or I've told myself over the years about myself. And then I should have a funeral for that old self. So I should burn them and say, that's those stories are no more. And this is who I am. That's powerful. And I think I'm going to do that because I feel like that would shift something energetically not to be too wooey, but like, I do believe that there is something spiritual about that. Like you can, you just say, this is done. This is over. I'm not walking back into that. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I think for any faith, you know, system does want you to recognize that there, the past is the past and, you know, the whole concept of, you know, you're throwing off your old self and all that is, is very powerful. And I think, you know, that sounds, I mean, it would, I, I, I'm amazed, you know, to write out all those things, I guess, but not allowing yourself to get stuck. I think that's been a hard thing for me when I write things down that I'm really sad about. It's hard not to get stuck back in those feelings, but then to go, okay, those are done. And then to burn them is a really powerful 
transformative thing. So yeah, I know I agree with you on that. And, and then I would I'm be very inspired right now. <laughs> no, and then I would say after that, well, one of the things that I do at least once a month is write out my big vision, like what I want my life to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, to like every single detail, like because I really do believe in the power of manifestation. Again, it's it's a little crazy sounding, but. I think if you put your energy towards something, you can make things happen and you can, yeah, I don't know. So write out your big vision, um, tell the world what you want and like put your energy towards that. And once you've gotten rid of those old stories, say that, write down the things that you want to believe and act like they're already happening. Wow. Like, I feel like I'm getting, I, I don't know about you. I just, I'm feeling very much like I, I have a lot of things that I'm, I'm like writing down fiercely, all these things. <laughs> like I'm going to be like, okay, check this out and check this out. I mean, it's, it's, it's been, it's incredible. And I mean, I'm kind of, uh, it's very, I mean, like I said, it's been really cool to see over the past year, just the the transformation. And, and then also, you know, hearing, I've listened to some of the to the, to the ones that you've posted of this, of this podcast. And it's been really cool to hear, you know, you and interacting with these other entrepreneurs, you know, it's just it knowing now too, that there's so, you know, few allowed to be out there as, you know, cause you know, I follow people on Facebook and I'm constantly getting ads. So I just never knew in my, I never knew that, you know, that women were not able to have as, those jobs as much. And so that you get the fact that you guys are like breaking through with that is really amazing. Yeah, what are it's you? not like a break. Well, it's not like they're not allowed to. It's just I think women are find it hard to break into that like that. Is it like a glass ceiling kind it's of kind thing. Kind of a broy broy world. Gotcha. Because I mean, I used to see this guy. Like I would go to the coffee shop in my old hometown, and he he does you know working. And I mean, I'm not gonna lie. You know, when you first said you know I think I'm gonna do this freelance thing, he was one of the first people I thought of, and he was always like at the and he just there was just this air about him and I was probably being very judgy and all that, but it was just that, you know, it's, it's hard to not fall into those stereotypes of, Oh gosh, she's going to please don't become like that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, no, I didn't know this person. I mean, he could be probably the coolest person ever, you know, but it just came off very like, Oh, him with his headset and him having, you know, I mean, you know, that kind of thing. And it, again, it's that misconception thing that is very easy to do. And you know, you're really breaking that for me right now. Well, um, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's really sweet. It's true. Um, what do you, I mean, so what are you like right now? Like, what are you, do you have like any like set plan for what you're kind of wanting to see accomplished? You know, or, I mean, I you said you're going like, um, to, I guess I'm asking like future wise yeah, or how I, you go for that. My big goals for 2018 are, my goal, this is scary to admit, like my goal is to make $100,000 this year. Wow. Um, I, I'm putting that out into the world. I'm saying it. It's going to happen. Okay. Um, so that's, that's scary. <laughs> that's <laughs> literally the most money I've ever made. If, I mean, I don't even know what that kind of money looks like. So I, know, I mean, neither get do it. I. So yeah. So that, um, that's my big goal. I want to continue working with really amazing clients. Um, mm-hmm. I'm developing, I ran a course in January that I'm kind of retooling about, it's a, like a Facebook ads boot camp for people, oh, nice. for entrepreneurs. I'm going to relaunch that soon. And then I'm also working on 
a collaboration course with um, Emily Stoker, who was the first interview on this podcast. Okay. Um, she's a YouTube video content creator. And so she and I are going to do a course about how to utilize um, a radical honesty in your Facebook posts um, and YouTube videos, and then turn those in a way turn those into a way to connect with your ideal audience and then ultimately sell or, you know, whatever, like whatever your end goal is. Wow. That's really neat. So yeah, that's, we're working on that right now. Um, and I also have some really cool, like I'm going to a big, uh, mastermind retreat with the coach that I'm working with Cassie Howard in June. Um, but probably by the time this airs, I will have already been to that. So I'm excited for that and to connect with other entrepreneurs face-to-face, other female entrepreneurs um, in a very intimate space. There's only going to be 10 of us. Oh, wow. We're going to get to work with her one-on-one for seven hours each day. Um, And she makes over a million dollars each year. So, okay. Okay. So she knows her shit, basically. Wow. Um, and she's going to help us come up with new ways to make consistent money. So that's oh, really that's exciting. That's so those are like my big, big deal, big goals for the year. As far as like overall, our end goal is eventually I want to retire my husband so he can um, work with me full time. And I want to build up a team, so I'm not doing all the work. Um, I just want to be the person that talks directly to the clients and does their strategy. And then my team would do all the nitty gritty. Um, And then eventually we want to move abroad and travel full time and probably live in like Thailand. Nice. So yeah, those are my, my big visions. That's amazing though. No, I mean, that's, I mean... I just, I don't know about everybody else, but I feel like I've just, my brain has learned very much. And I mean, <laughs> I've known you a long time. Granted, you know, we don't get to, I mean, I think the cool thing about our friendship has always been though that, you know, when we do get together, we're able to reconnect pretty quickly. Um, and that's not something you get to have every day, you know, special. And, but also, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm, you know, going over everything we've learned, I've learned and then just, reliving a little bit of the the past has been pretty cool. Like just, it's, it's kind of cool how far you can come. You don't realize it until you actually sit down and talk about it. Yeah, it's true. And I, I was telling my husband last night that when I think about where I thought I would be at this age and this year, Oh gosh. <laughs> not at all where I thought I would be. Yeah. But, but I'm so glad that I'm here and I'm so mm. thankful that, the God, God or the universe or whatever, like brought me to where I am. And I'm not doing what I thought I would be doing when I'm 34. <laughs> like, right. But, because I really thought that I would probably be a mom and have a couple kids and, you know, we'd be living in Greensboro and we'd have a nice big house. And like that, that's, that was the norm. And that's where I thought I would be. And thank God, not that there's anything wrong with being a mom. Right. I, but thank God that I was able to like take a different path, even though it doesn't look like everybody else. I'm so much happier than I probably would have been. Well, I mean, that's the thing, you know, it's, it's, 
there's nothing wrong with that life. It's just, it wasn't the life that you, that's, that's best for you. And you're living your best, you know, the goal is to try to live your best life, you know? And, yeah. Which is exactly what I told my coach the other day. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm having an Oprah year. Like I'm living my best life. Like I'm trying to do all, <laughs> do all my things. Does that mean you're going to give me a car? Because that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah. um, I have Oprah money. But... Yeah, I know. I'm teasing because no, I was joking around the other day and I said, honestly, you know, cause you know, it's so funny how things change, you know, when you're younger, you think, Oh, I want all these, you know, this and this and this. And I'm like, I just want to pay off the rest of my life. Right. I just want to have a car that doesn't, that doesn't break it down when I try to turn it on. <laughs> like, you know, that's, I mean, I'm real simple here, folks. I mean, you know, I think that's all of us. I mean, maybe not yeah. all of us, but like, I don't, like somebody I was working with is asking me like, well, what, what do you want? that money to do for you and I was like Mm -hmm. well because yeah my money mindset coach said like money is energy and you have to like direct direct it so you need to tell money uh what you want to do with it and for me like I've never cared that much about money but right I want to have that money so I can give generously so I can pay off debts so I can help friends and family so I you know so I can be financially free and not have to worry I mean, but, I totally hear the that. That's yeah. Crazy. But yeah, I had never thought about that. That like money is energy, and you have to direct it. Well, I, I do think you know money. I mean, they say you know money is you know power, but I think in a way, yeah, you're right. I like the energy because you know it can be negative or positive that you have to be able to. But telling it, taking charge of that, and not letting it be in charge of you, which I mm-hmm. think is really easy to do these days. I know I fall into that trap a lot, where I'm just constantly getting down because it's just like it's never enough. It's never enough. And the thing is, is that, you know, it's changing that mindset again. So that's really cool. I mean, another thing I'm adding that down, I'm writing this down too. <laughs> everybody, I should tell everybody, I'm like, at this point, please pick up your pencil and write this down. <laughs> we'll provide a PDF workbook. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> well, I guess we should wrap it up since yeah, I don't even I know. know how long we've been talking. I know. I hope I, I was thinking here, it's like, good Lord. I bet they're like, who is this girl? Shut up. <laughs> no, but me, I, I you, have me. loved this. And no, I, I know. I loved it too. I've learned so much. I hope that people get something out of it um, and that they enjoy our inane, inane ravelings of two best friends that have known each other close to 20 years. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I... I have, it was an honor. And then also, I mean, I've learned a lot. I mean, I have a lot to think about. So I'm sure if those out there are probably, you know, going to learn a lot too. And if they're already, I mean, wherever they are in their journey with this, I mean, I mean, I know, I know myself, I had never really known much about mindset coaching and stuff until I, you had suggested it to me and, and a lot of things, you know, because that's just not something that had ever been brought to my tension and now I'm trying to figure out a way to do it so I mean I appreciate that and so I'm sure others could totally yeah a hundred percent that if I leave you with nothing else people uh, there you go do mindset work find a mindset coach because it will change your whole life definitely I mean yeah and uh well thank you for having me I, yeah. I feel like you know, others are you know have all these things but you know thank you for having me and I, I it's been I love I you know you're one of my, uh, I'm just very thankful for you and I hope you have, uh, thank you. I'm rambling now. <laughs> I'm rambling on a ramble. So there you go. Uh, well, thank you. And thank you guys for listening. And I hope you enjoy it. And let me know if you have any comments or questions. 
Thanks! Bye, guys! <laughs> Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.